This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. My name is Tamlee Nguyen and I was co-director in 2020 and now I am back with UVSA's Miss Vietnam of Southern California as an advisor for 2022. My name is Billy Lay, UVSA former president and Fed chair of the UVSA Fed Festival and currently this year for the 40th Fed Festival, I am the volunteers director. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Um, what does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? Um, to me, I uphold being Vietnamese um, as something that I should value my culture, uh, dig deep into my roots, and not forget where I came from. Uh, because before I am American, I am Vietnamese. Um, also to maintain my mother language uh, and be able to pass that on into the next generation. Thank you, Billy. Ooh, a very interesting question that cannot be answered in a few seconds, but uh, as a Vietnamese American, um, what does it mean to be one? Uh, well, someone who understands uh, the culture and the language, um, trying to, uh, you know, utilize uh, the culture and language and promote it within the youth. And that's what I think it's about, about being a Vietnamese American. You know, I want to thank both of you for coming on because uh, the Tet Festival uh, in Orange County has so much history. Um, little story about me. It's actually changed my life. Um, I think it was back in 1993. I, along with my brother and three other friends, we were from LA. So we drove down to the Tet Festival and we were walking around. I think that was in February or something like that. Yeah, February, January, we're walking around. There was these Marine recruiters in dress blue uniforms and they look sharp. And my brother and I walked by and we did one of these. We just like looked and then they go, you. And we walked over to the recruiters and next thing you know, I was signing the contract and that was the next four years of my life. So the wow. Tet Festival for me, has a lot of meaning because it really was like the intersection of um, my Vietnamese side and this American story that kind of unfolded from that point for me for the next four years. So it's a very interesting uh, place and I have to, you know, always go to it and I try to make it an effort to, to go to that uh, festival every year. So thank you both for, for really for joining and, and spending the time with me this morning. Yeah, thank you, Anne, for having us. And uh, 1993, wow, so that means that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, dating myself a little bit. What's the history of the festival? UVSA first was started with the Fet Festival and it eventually was eventually established in 1983 by a group of uh, Vietnamese student association uh, students. Um, and I remember uh, through the alumni that it was held at various places from a small park to in the city of Westminster, uh, went to the city of Santa Ana, went to a community colleges, um, went to um, the city of uh, Hudson Beach. Uh, during that time, it was Golden West College in, and then eventually went back to the area where the Vietnam War Memorial was mm -hmm. at. Because I, I remember, because I remember as a kid carrying um, a uh, um, an ice chest for this lady. She's like, I'll give you five bucks if you can pull this in and I'll get, I get to go for, for free. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so before the Vietnam War statue was built, that whole place was an empty lot. And that was where the that festival was at as well. And then I remember in the early 2000s, uh, that that festival was at Garden Grove Park. 
Um, and eventually, 2014, when I was the vet chair, it moved to the OC Fairground, uh, OC Fair and Event Center to where it's now today. Oh, so this is in now the the Dead Festival is in Costa Mesa on the fairgrounds property. Yes, I'm. Um, yeah, it is, and uh, it's very large in terms of uh, the the the, the space. Um, but we are the first Vietnamese group to host an event there at the OCU Fair and Event Center because it's a, at a state facility. Yeah, that's a big place. That's right. And and how long have you been doing it there now? Since 2014, uh, when wow. I was the Fed chair, I remember during that year, we scrambled to various places. I remember uh, having team going to uh, City of Westminster again. A team went to uh, Fountain Valley City uh, one went to Centennial Park, talked to uh, the city of Santa Ana, um, and eventually one team went to OC Fairground. And when we were at the OC Fairground, they're like, oh yeah, years ago, uh, we had someone inquire about this already, you guys. I was like, really? Okay. So um, so we, we talked a little bit more about OC Fairgrounds with their staff because um, the other venue didn't work out. And... Of course, the uh, county staff, I'm uh, sorry, the state fairground staff were very skeptical about our group. And so they have all these restrictions and all these limitations on it because um, don't, they don't know who we are. And I remember um, they asked us to hire a sound technician just because um, the surrounding neighborhood were very um, strict on sound. Um, and I remember the first night when we played uh, our Miss Vietnam Southern California music. I remember, um, you know, the fairground staff was like, oh, your music is nothing. Okay, you can lift up the door, that's fine, let it go. And yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I remember that time. So I, I think I'm gonna have to make a little correction about this all. I have been going, the, there is one, I think is it a, at a high school? Is that the Bosa Grande one? Yes, uh, that was at Garden Grove Park, yes. Okay, so Garden Grove Park. So. That has been going on um, all these years at that park, right? Um, Up from the early 2000 to 2013. Got it, got it, got it. I see. It's, in my mind, I'm like thinking that they're, they're separate, just different. Because um, there's more, sometimes there's more than one Tet Festival, right? There's one on one weekend. and Yes. And I'm yes. always confused about that because, you know, I, I didn't grow up in Orange County, so... I, I, there's never any clarification in my mind, like which uh, one is the bigger one. And, um, so we'll, uh, the, the union of the Vietnamese student association of Southern California, the student group, you can say, um, they're the one who have been hosting the festival. And, and if you look through the history, it's been 39 years, 39 successful years and moving on to our 40th anniversary this year. And, um, if you see a lot of students, youth there, that's the student Got festival, it. basically. That's good. That's a good distinction. And Tham, when did you join? Um, so like you and Kenneth, um, when I was in high school, this was still going on in Bolso Grande, like the across the park, the Garden Grove Park. So I was volunteering um, since I was in high school at Garden Grove Park. And then once I graduated in 2013, that's when we started moving to Costa Mesa, which is in time for 2014. Um, I started to volunteer in um, 2014 at Costa Mesa. And then I started joining officially as a member of the Union of the Vietnamese Student Association in 2017. Got it. Now, can I ask both of you, what do you think sort of like the trajectory of the young Vietnamese in Orange County or around California, how do they feel about um, being connected to this event as the years gone by? Has it, has it gone up or is it going down? Um, if you were talking about the participation, um, this year as a volunteers director, I've looked back in history and noticed that um, there were so many applicants uh, before. So before COVID, uh, I noticed that when they open the application online, there's like 600 application applied. Wow. And the team only select at least around 200. And these are only general volunteers. Um, besides, we have staff and we have community member volunteers as well. So this whole festival 
I mean, it's it's always increasing. So the the numbers of wanting to volunteer increase every year, but then we have to put a cap. One of the reasons why I think that is the reason is because we need to find more food. If we check everybody, we're not going to have food to feed them. So that's why I have to ask the out the community members, like, oh, please, um, can you help donate or whatever food or whatever uh, water for us? The more resource we have, the more um, volunteers we can accept. However, too many of them, we won't know what to do with them. So right. we have to limit ourselves. Well, that's good news uh, because that means that every year... Um, more young people are being more interested in the cultural aspects of the celebration of that, right? That's right. That's right. And and we don't not necessarily you don't have to be Vietnamese. I, um, a matter of fact, uh, this year our that vice chair, his name is Obi, and he's actually Indian. So, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. What what's the theme of the uh, this year's that festival? Um, this year's that festival is Spring of Reunion. Um, in Vietnamese, it's Xuân Sâm Hop. And we just wanted to take this opportunity as, you know, saying how for the past two years, COVID has taken a toll on everyone in our community and it put pause in everybody's life. So with this opportunity for our 40th year anniversary, we want to take this festival as a means for everyone to come and gather, have a reunion at our place. Just like you said, um, you know, and Kenneth, about how you said, oh, I came here and I'm so immersed in everything that the um, festival has to share, especially the cultural. Um, we take pride in our Lang Vic Nam, which is our cultural village. And everyone loves to come and like see our village every year. That's the thing, that's the one committee that actually brings young generation, old generations and bridge them together. So that is our theme, Spring of Reunion. And how do you all come up with themes every year? Well, um, a few months before the festival, a group of directors just together and just talk it out and we vote. That's how it is, a very democratic system. Okay, can, can I ask like, what were some of the yeah. other themes, second, third place? Um, I came in a little bit late, so I do not know if uh, how, how much they battle each other out in terms of the theme um, this year. Uh, usually it's about five, but um, uh, so on a little side note, uh, volunteer director position was uh, I guess nobody wants that position. <laughs> so one day, one of the uh, member uh, leadership teams like, I'm Billy, can you come help? And I told them I'll help if there is another student so that I can train. Um, and so uh, eventually here we are, um, myself with a team of uh, 15 other staff, including high school students and college students. Um, and then I'm actually uh, trying to mold uh, Tam's twin brother. Um, Tam has two brothers under my leadership uh, team. So I'm trying to help mold because I feel like, you know, as young high school students, they're not going to know what to do. And uh, by having the opportunity to be under some sort of mentorship from their auntie, the, the elders, uh, brothers and sisters, um, I told all the uh, high school volunteer students, hey, it's okay to make mistakes in my team as long as you tell me and ask questions and we're all here to learn together. So my uh, thing is I try to group every single high school student with a, an adult uh, volunteer staff uh, from my team. So that way they can uh, kind of watch out for them and guide them at the same time. So this is all volunteer, no paid positions? Yep. Wow. Nope. So, yep. No, I, we even put our own money out too. So Yeah, we do. <laughs> God, really? So from top yeah. to bottom, it's it's not paid? No. Nope. Nobody got paid. So, this is legit like a full-time job like yeah. we take our position since may uh, as early as may or like june that's when election starts and i know for pageant committee uh, we start planning right there and then of like okay what do we do for the rest of the year up until um that and we're lucky because for the pageant committee um it's distributed amongst those like half a year versus with a lot of um other committees like operations it's like all hands on deck on the the three days before and then especially the two to three days of the festival okay i have my ideas on why you both do it but 
I want to hear from you both. Like, why do you both do it? And why do you think that the other volunteers do it for 40 years without pay? I mean, what is the motivation? Tim? Uh, as a young person, <laughs> I would like to say that the the success or not even if it leads to success or not, but just the accomplishment of the task after you work so hard for it is so fulfilling that you want, it's like an adrenaline that you kind of desire and you want to come back for. Um, I love seeing how happy people are when they come to our festival. I love uh, hearing and all that stuff about all the stories they encounter during our festival. Um, I love especially the pageant committee, because I was a part of the pageant. Um, that's just a passion for me. I like to be like how Unbilly is. I don't want to be the one to make the calls anymore, but I want to be there as a mentor, as a guide for those who are younger than me to keep this going on because a legend cannot be made unless you have a like, you know, person after you to keep that legend going. I remember, um, performing on stage in 2003 in Taekwondo um, under the direction of Grandmaster Dang Hui Duk, um, who has an, uh, uh, here an, a studio here in uh, Westminster City. Um, I, I didn't know any better. All I know was we go on stage, we perform Taekwondo, and um, who would have guessed years later in 2006, I joined uh, as a volunteer in operation team. And at that time, I was a college student learning criminology at Law and Society and at UC Irvine. And I used my skill sets to uh, help with the festival, um, planning the traffic routes to make sure that cars flow smoothly. And, uh, you know, I was, I remember eating with a friend and, and she's like, Billy, I, I remember you being very weird. One day you were like, uh, we were watching Miss Vietnam Southern California and you said one day I'll be UBSA president and she thought I was weird and then years later I became the UBSA president um, and uh, I have to say I, I thank the organization very much because I was a very shy person um, you know like I wouldn't dare talking to people but by doing this it, it brings me out of my comfort zone by volunteering going on stage and uh be the master of ceremony and it or, or be in front of the camera when I was the representative of the organization um, you know not knowing what to say leads to a lot of practices and allows me to put that into my comfort zone to be able to uh, continue and and through that I learned different skill sets one of the important skill sets is learning how to deal with different staff members and their personality and eventually it translate it to my my current work and you know the work that i do in the community yeah because thumb seems like a very difficult person to deal with i, I can imagine <laughs> when 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 she means business it's like it has to be done but uh, it's funny how Unbilly brought that up right um it's uh Unbilly is our go-to person for the pageant committee so now i understand pageant well you looked at miss vietnam southern california and like oh i want to be president no wonder you have such a good bond with our committee Unbilly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so within the the that festival i can imagine that there's so many different uh categories of things that yep. you can do right like i'm, I'm imagining who's handling the, the team the yeah so can you give me a little breakdown about like these departments yeah so there are about 15 committees um it changes all the time in terms of the new committees so there's admissions uh deals with all the ticketings and um you know, selling tickets, invi inviting, uh, calling all the alumni, because we have alumni that we wanted to share tickets with them. Um, so that way they can come back to at that festival. Uh, we have the contest team in charge of all the contests, mm -hmm. like the pho eating contest, the balut eating contest. Uh, we used to have the banh mi eating contest. Uh, and uh, this year we are having the watermelon and the milk tea drinking contest so those are the few contests beyond the like uh the children's pageant contest and uh um uh miss vietnam southern california is a, a different uh entity committee itself um wow. next we have the cultural village uh, 
which oversee the whole uh, cultural village like Việt Nam. We have the decoration committee overseeing the decoration of outside surrounding of the festival. We have the entertainment committee that oversee um, all the entertainment that's going on within the festival. Uh, we have the finance committee making sure the checks and sponsorship monies are getting in and dispersing checks and paying our vendors, etc. We have the hospitality team. This year, they are overseeing uh, feeding everyone, uh, everyone, including the general volunteers and the staff member. Uh, we have next is the marketing team. Marketing team overseeing dealing with the American media slash and then different ethnic media and just showing the present out in the community. Um, the next team is the media team. Media teams is overseeing creating like badges, cameras, taking photos of our staff, troubleshooting anything that's technical behind the scene. Uh, of course, we have operation team. Operation team will be overseeing like all the uh, setting up the, the, the whole festival with the vendors, uh, traffic security, um, and uh, you know, protecting our, 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 our volunteer students uh, while working with local law enforcement and security personnel on site. And then we have the opening ceremony uh, team, right? Like Kaimak, which uh, happens every Saturday uh, from 10 to 12 o'clock. It's when people get to come in and at about one o'clock this year, this month, um, this week on Saturday, it's the start of opening ceremony um, where you will see like all these, uh, uh, the whole ancestral processions going on with all the dignitaries from federal to lo local school trustees going to be attending. Um, the next one is sort of important is the sponsorship trying to get us money, trying to uh, um, get resources so that can fund the festival and try to feed our volunteers. And uh, we have a Miss Vietnam Southern California, which Tam took over, uh, took part of uh, in the past. And last but not least, we have the vendors team overseeing getting all this booth for the set festival and making sure that they are taken care of uh, during the festival ground and uh, um, trying to get more vendor in so the community know who uh, who's what at the festival ground. That's mind blowing. I had no idea so many departments were um, on deck for this. Yeah, actually, we're missing one more, which is Nong Song. Um, we used to have a magazine called. Uh, the Nansong magazine. So uh, this is a 30th one, which was the, one of the last one um, that basically is the voice of the students. Um, and now we're actually trying to focus more online. So instead of printing them out. And then I also wanted to add something to that. Um, so you know how earlier you asked like, oh, who's in charge of all of these committee? Um, we have directorship for those, but the two people that were like, okay, we need to rely on, which and Billy was one of them before, is our third chair and our vice state chair. So our third chair this year is Tin um, Nguyen, and then um, our vice third chair is somebody that and Billy mentioned earlier, which is Obi. He's not Vietnamese, he's Indian. <laughs> <laughs> but he has a very positive attitude. Everywhere he go, he brought a smile to the room, and it's like, okay, I, I can work with you. But but why would somebody who's of Indian descent want to volunteer their time? This is very interesting to me. Why, why would he want to volunteer his time to, to work in a Vietnamese community? Um, from the interactions that I've had with him, he really loves, he calls himself like a, like a Vietnamese at heart. Um, he's been volunteering since he was in high school as well. Uh, before we didn't have, we didn't just have uh, Vietnamese people. We had like um, Filipinos. We've had a lot of other ethnicities um, as well being in a like a executive or a very high position. Um, what brings them is the same same mentality that I had as well, where we like to see our culture or we like to see the Asian culture just being spread. And it doesn't matter um, what type of Asian we are. It's just as long as it's Asian, that's still a part of us. Sure. Yeah, because I'm very, uh, it's heartwarming to, to see and to hear that there's other people who are I'm from outside and he's not the first. No, he's not the first. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about the pageant uh, committee. Like how, wh why do we need that component in a dead festival? And what about a male pageant? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm curious. Why do we have to have a female 
pageant and not, you know, I mean, what is the history of all this? Um, I don't know how long the history dates back to, but since I was like in high school, or even when I was I was a little kid, I used to dance for um, the Dead Festival as a uh, volunteering. And I would see my G like strutting their Aoyai and I would be like, they are so beautiful. I want to be like them when I grow up. And then long behold, I grew up and I joined this exact same pageant that I wanted to when I was a kid. So being immersed into like the committee itself, I learned so much because with our pageant, it's supposedly supposed to be our the main attraction of um, the like entertainment wise. We do have youth night as well, but it's like Miss Vietnam is something that brings all the younger kids looking at the beautiful woman dressing up in their eyes, being very like basically proud of their culture. Uh, That's why I say I think it's a little bit more important for the woman to be strutting our traditional um, costume. But uh, the pageant committee has uh, will be has been active for months um, because we have to plan out a lot of things. Um, There's consistent of like pageant moms. We have graphic designers. We have um, what else? Choreographer. Media. We have uh, choreographer. Oh, choreographer. Yeah, so the choreographer is for our opening dance. And so that's why in the pageant committee, we have a lot of other roles as well um, as the the director being the one who sits and delegates all of that. But advisors play a very important part because we were once in their shoe. And um, the planning process goes back the moment we get elected. That's when we start to do applications for staff applications for um, contestants and we only take top 20. Uh, This year we only have 17 contestants but that's not because we have a low uh, quantity of applicants. It's more of we wanted to make sure that these girls who are a part of MBSC will give their best and give their all because this is our 40th anniversary. So it means you have to be committed for the next three, four months. Um, that's why we practice every Saturday and Sundays. We go do charity events. We go to uh, showcasing. We'll do fashion shows and all that stuff. So the level of commitment is actually very intense. Um, the stress level is just going to build up as we get to what we call hell week. This is our hell week right now. Um, they'll have to learn proverbs, which is and they have to relate it back to their life experience. And that's an opportunity for the audience to learn about themselves or for each one of those girls. And then um, we also have them showcasing talent portion and strutting their walk with the Aoyai or and also their evening gowns. So it's actually a whole entire program. We also try to find our sponsorship uh, usually we always work with An Hui Kim, um, who is a very well-known uh, photographer here in the Vietnamese community, and Jackie Tai, who is a very well-known uh, celebrity makeup artist, and then so on and so on. We actually reach out to our community a lot to maintain that bridge. So pageant committee, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> you know, can I talk about the, the male one too, right? Uh, that's, um, I don't know. Maybe we need a like Mr. Vietnam of California committee to deal with that because. But, but I tell you what, listen, listen, yeah, listening to what you just said, I did not know. I literally thought like, okay, hey, we're gonna have the pageant night on Saturday night. Okay, girls, just come on and walk the thing that one night, and we're all good. I didn't realize, or maybe like you guys meet up two, three times, and you guys do your. Th- I didn't realize the amount of commitment oh, no. that it takes. Yeah. Is it is it three hours uh, at least a day? Uh, it's uh it's from nine until three p.m. every day, every Saturday and Sunday. And the thing is, we're not just teaching them how to walk in an alley because you know you have to know how to gracefully walk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you showcase your Vietnamese ayah. You also know how to take care of how, like when you're sitting, how do you sit properly with an ayah? Those basic things. Uh, very, very like, you have to go back to the core. And then we also do workshops on 
um, either cultural work workshops, Vietnamese workshops. Um, I just recently did a TED workshop of like, you know, telling all the stories that not a lot of people tell anymore about like Gai Nu or um, Ngai Tết, why we have all those stuff. So they don't just learn how to be a pageant girl. They learn about the whole entire culture. They learn about the whole entire community and they learn about themselves because we foster two things in Miss Vietnam of Southern California. First thing is self-growth because no matter what, you will always come out with growing in some aspect whether you grow in like learning oh i did like something or i didn't like something that is a growth because you just learn something about yourself and further like further down the line you can move on from that so the first thing is self-growth and the second thing is sisterhood so you will be guaranteed to walk out of this pageant with at least one friend that can be your lifelong friend And because, you know, when you have 20 girls all together, it's really hard. It's really hard. And especially when staff members are all girls as well. So that's like a total of 34, 34 people who are like all girls in one committee. Yeah. So I've learned that when Mixer came around, they don't allow boys at the Mixer with the exception of certain people. Why? I don't know. Why, town? I'm just kidding. Well, it's not like we're trying to <laughs> I'm be... Just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I feel like this is very divisive that men are not welcomed and you know. Um actually um just uh if you are curious, um there is actually a male pageant. Uh, so in San Diego, the um I guess you can say that the brothers and sister uh, version of us in San Diego, they do have one at that best festival for the male pageant. But um, for Southern California, uh, for UBSA, we haven't thought of that because it's just more resources because the festival itself is already big. I mean, it's a festival where we attract um, about 60,000 people for the course of three days. Um, so it's a, a lot, lot of, of things going on already. Yeah. Um, however, this year, it's only two days. So uh, that itself is already packed in two days. So, Wait, before was three days? Yes. Yes. And sometime they were lucky where Monday fall on a holiday, we'll do it four days, but wow. it's rare. You know, with that amount of dedication, how do you know if somebody is going to stick with the program for all that time? Uh, before uh, we go into acceptance of like, so, you know, the staff members would sit together and we would debrief. So we'll look at all the applications. Um, I remember my year, we had about 40, almost 50 applicants. And we have to sit there for at least eight hours just to talk about applications itself. And then um, we would go into that. And then afterwards, we'll call them each individually and we'll tell them all because they already know what they're getting into. We already have the schedule set out. Um, like I told you, the moment we get elected, we're already planning. We already have a schedule. We already have our proposal and all that stuff. So it's just in action we go. And we will. they already know what they're signing up for as an applicant. And then once we go into accepting them, we'll ask them, okay, do you accept to be a contestant for MBSC? And once they accepted that, we will then send them a contract to have them sign and like sign off their commitments. Um, we have a like a 20% of mispractice leeway, but it changes every year depending on the, um, directors. the director. Directors. And also like if there are emergencies or things that, you know, it's not pre-planned, then of course we're more understanding of it. It's just the line of communication will be at best if you are, you know, if you do have problems, but there are, There, you know, people in our Vietnamese culture say you can be strict, but you don't have to be, you can be a little bit flexible. So that's what our committee is all about. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like you guys foster a lot of uh, young people and doing things with intention, like having intentionality behind, you know, before you sign up for this, being a contestant, there's these ideas. Now, this idea of like scholarship programs, um, I understand that you guys have that in your um, program. I will let Tam talk a little bit about that before, uh, after um, I want to mention to you something. Um, uh, so when the pageant um, contestant or whoever win the Miss Vietnam Southern California, the next day, uh, normally there's a children's pageant. So the the, 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 the contestant, the, the staff member will go and assist uh, 
um, with a student who are competing in the children's pageants. Um, from there, uh, you know, they will learn how to walk as well. They will learn how to speak. But then this contest has uh, little uh, um, little boys going around compete as well with the girls um, to talk about um, their name, talk about their culture, talk about um, you know uh, how to present themselves on stage as the little ones. Um, and uh, the winner will get some sort of a scholarship money um, or prizes. Um, so they, we start them young, uh, some that time. And then uh, when they grow older, they compete. And that's what happened um, mm -hmm. actually a few years ago where one of the contestants was actually the first place winner during her children's pageant. And she competed during Mr. Nam Southern California and she placed. And now um, when they competed, they won, uh, they will receive a scholarship depending on the uh, sponsors. Uh, Tam can talk more about that. Um, so for sponsorship, just to narrow it down for MVSC before I go more broad, um, for MVSC, we have the winners, there's six of them. The titles are Miss Congeniality, um, Miss Photogenic, Miss Al Yai, uh, second princess, first princess, and then the queen. So the queen gets a scholarship as well, depending on what type of sponsorship we can bring for that year. Uh, anywhere between like 1,000 to 1,500 worth in um, like a check. And then for, uh, I know for like scholarship programs that UVSA has is this whole festival is made to do scholarship for our younger generation are, who are still in school. So we are the union of students, the, the students or um, organization, right? So we are in charge of overseeing all the other VSAs that are in other universities or Cal States around our area. Uh, this is where the misconception of, oh, you know, why do we host such a big bet festival? And where do that, where do, do the money go? Uh, here's our answer. So the money, a part of it goes to paying for our office that we use as a means to do our business, get our work done. Um, and then the rest of the money gets contributed to the other VSAs um, just to give the students, the college students scholarship. So, so that's the operation aspect for UVSA, um, going to the operation, uh, funding our leadership camps, funding our um, college fair day for the high school students. Because uh, remember, we have um, dozens of uh, Vietnamese student association throughout the different university and colleges from UC Santa Barbara down to UC San Diego or San Diego area. And among that, we have uh, 20 high school uh, at least 20 high school within um, a, a little sister umbrella or a little um, under us is um, the Vietnamese American High School Alliance. They are the high school version of us. Um, so we have to oversee our, our little ones as well uh, from the high school level. Um, and, and that's just having money to for our operation. The other 50% before um, proceeds go to various organizations, nonprofits in our community uh, to, to let them deal with um, whatever that they want after they uh, send us the proposal uh, through a, a way of grants. Got it. Now, how does promoting the event work? Uh, just all social media or do you uh, how, have flyers that are? Ooh, it changes throughout the year. So apparently I looked back in here and I was like, oh, wow, man, Jay, uh, they posted flyers, like tape it on windows at different restaurants back in the days. Um, wow, it's like they were telling me how back then when they were making this magazine, it was like cutting out words and put it on the newspaper. And yeah. Like everything was handmade. But now with digital, oh my gosh, social media has made it into a different world. And and compared to like from 2010 till now, I was like, okay, the new generation has their own kind of skill sets for social media. But to be honest, I... I haven't seen any ads or anything um, about the festival. Um, for Okay, so when I first started joining, uh, we used to get distributed posters, right? So each person was in charge of posting posters all over our community or all over our house, all over, all over our school. Each person gets about like right. 10 posters. And that was our means of um, advertising. Now, um, as we're like progressing, 
like and Billy said, we use social media. Uh, I've actually seen so many on, especially like um, Instagram. We actually have a lot of ads running for Instagram. And funny thing was, I just saw another ad about sponsorship or vendors um, just this morning. <laughs> got it. Got it. So I need to be on that algorithm. I need to find my way. That's uh, that's that's not good for me to not have seen this. <laughs> But it's also like the word of mouth is the best type yeah. of advertisement. So all of us are just sharing and we've been sharing and sharing and sharing for the past like months. So what what about COVID? How is that going to affect this year's protocols? I'll let Tam talk about it since she's a health professional and mm -hmm. uh, that's her yeah, so um, we've been, okay, so there have been countless hours of us just sitting together, racking our brain just to get the pro COVID protocol, um, especially with us being in Costa Mesa um, and on OC Fairgrounds, um, which is OC Fair and Events Center, uh, where they're more strict on the pro COVID protocol. This year, we have it as... Um, when you first enter the uh, premises, then you're going to have to show uh, an ID and then the proof of vaccination. Or we'll give you options if you um, don't have that. We'll do a ID or a, and along with a PCR test that's within 48 hours or a rapid test with the antigen within um, 24 hours. And then the, another option is if you didn't have access to those tests, then you can do showing your ID and then waiting to get an antigen test right there at the, the spot. Wait and a then minute. once you're so, clear, you can come in. So there's three t different tests. There's a PCR antigen and then the rapid antigen, did you say? So the PCR is just like the two days, you know, yeah. so you have 48 hours to get that right. And then that rapid test is just that antigen that we're looking for within and it should show up in about 15 to 20 minutes. And you have 24 hours. Sorry, you have that one day to get it. So 24 hours. Oh, got it. Oh, okay, I, I get it. So if you don't get vaccinated, then you can just go 24 hours, 48 hours in advance, get the PCR, mm -hmm. or I get it now. Yes, or so, on site. Yes, or on site, because we have like a rapid, rapid. test on site, with, which will have your result within 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so that way, we give options to people. That way, we're not turning everyone down. And since it is an outdoor event, we're not going to require masks, but it's just we will recommend for a mask to be worn just for your own safety, but also for our staff safety, because we're all volunteering and we're putting all of our lives and also our families and relatives lives on the line just to be here to give back to the community. Yeah. While volunteering for free. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. I, yeah, there's just so much protocols going on that sometimes I get confused, you know, but you now we have to like take a step back and think about these things all the time. So vax card is the easiest. Well, if you're yeah. vax, right, that's the easiest, most general come in with the vax card. The next level down is the 48 hour PCR. So that means that mm -hmm. you the swab or whatever, and then, 48 hours uh, you have a window of 48 hours to show that you're uh you're negative and then the other one is the antigen and then the fourth one is you guys have a rapid uh test does that cost money if somebody comes and they want the rapid test right then and there uh we actually got a sponsorship for that so thank goodness <laughs> that is amazing it's amazing yeah. and what kind of vendors um do you guys recruit to sell? Is it all Vietnamese food vendors or is it all over the place? It's all over the place. And um, I remember, I remember this is like Black Friday all over again. Um, food vendors are one of the, the hottest kind of like things of the festival. When vendors somehow figure out when our opening date is, I remember before they would line up just to sleep outside the before the morning we open the door or they'll come in and they'll start writing their name at the window to say who's here first uh until we say hey don't don't wait in line don't sleep here we'll call you or we'll we'll let you know but i remember within the first few hours at least 50 of food booth booked booked um because i mean if they're vendors for the past 39 years they would know what to do and they know that if you are a vendor with a plan, you can make back your money within hours of the festival if you plan correctly.
Wow. What so what kind of foods do you have? I I know that the vendors team try to focus on various types of food, so it's not all Vietnamese. Um I remember having like uh Hawaiian barbecue food, there's like home loan, the balut food, uh, uh, sugar canes in the past. Um there's uh, a group I remember in Otet selling all these skewers. Um Tam, do you uh, remember any of the booths uh in the past um i remember lemonade booths uh we had bao like like buns with like the little sandwich buns um i remember there's so many like it's it's a huge variety you like potato on a stick that little spiring potato um there's uh we're trying to hope to get like a beer sponsorship <laughs> but maybe that's for the future uh but there's a lot there's actually a lot i, I can't like I can't really. Do you know like, how many vendors there will be? Uh, food is over forty uh, food booths, and there's hundreds of uh, normal vendor booths. In terms of like uh, selling their merchandise, promoting their items, sponsorship booths, so it's over. Uh, uh, it's a few hundreds, if anything. Um, we're still taking sponsor. I think uh, if things work out, uh, people can contact UBSA and see if things work out. I, I mean. I don't think uh, our, our that chair would say no when someone are trying to bring in sponsorship money. So wh when I listen to all of the information that you have both uh, spoken about, I think about the world, the diaspora of Vietnamese people across the world, in Germany, France, Australia, you name it. Do you know how big in comparison our festival here is in Southern California compared to the rest of the world? We like to boast that we are the largest that festival outside of Vietnam. Um, we're the largest. I mean, if you look at the map, the square footage of it, it's it's a lot. It's like a few acres, uh, if anything. Um, it can be. Um, and we have grown from a small Garden Grove Park now to a very large um, air ground. I mean, just imagine a state fairground. But we're not there yet, but we're expanding slowly. Um, but then again, you know, we, we just have to see uh, to what point we expand to because we don't want it to, to dilute it. Um, if you get to come um, or look through pictures, uh, our language Nam is like swamp with just people in the past going to that area for pictures. So, um, and that's why every year we try, we try to invite people from around the world. And, T tell me about the Lang Vic Nam. Like, what is that? What does that mean? Like the words, what does the words mean? What's the intention behind setting Lang Vic Nam? Yeah. Uh, well, before I answer that question, I wanted to hop on with what Billy said. Um, something that I'm very proud of for saying like our festival is very different amongst all the others is that everywhere in this, every, everybody in the other states look forward to our festival. Um, we've actually had a lot of people come and tell us on the day of be like, oh yeah, I flew from over here or over there just to come for that here in California and to attend. One of the main attraction is because of Lang Vietnam, which is the cultural village. Lang is village and Vietnam is our culture. So we just in English say it out as our Vietnamese cultural village. Um, it's basically a very photo op area where you get immersed into as if you're in Vietnam. So there's many, many, many little areas of um, showcasing like the beauty of what Vietnam is all about. There's even a little bridge to like, like showcase like, oh yeah, you know, in, in the village area, um, we call it Ki, which is like monkey bridge. But obviously for aesthetics reason, we're not gonna just like do one. water. Yeah, one little stick and then the water underneath. Um, we have like lantern areas. We have areas that have like the fruits and fruit baskets. Uh, we have areas that you can post up your uh, New Year's wishes or um, what your goals are, or just to have luck and fortune. We have a small little stage um, just to showcase like traditional stuff. And there's, it has its own program. Uh, I'm not sure we have that this year for the little stage. I think it's for like contests, right, and Billy? Yes. So uh, 
Lang Vietnam is own kind of like entertainment area of itself because it's comprised of over 30 community organization wow. as well. So each community organization pick a project, pick a, a statue or pick a, a structure to build like Jumoko, uh, uh, which is the uh, one like uh, uh, Buddha uh, temple um, or, or the front gate, um, uh, the front gate and the back gate. So it's uh, led by a certain scout group. Um, so imagine the culture village having a lot of bamboo leaves um, and dry, dry leaves, and we cover it all the booths. So it, it rep replicates like a Vietnamese village, and we would have to put fire uh, retardant on it to make sure that you know uh, it's safe uh, and pass the uh, fire marshal code, uh, the state fire marshal code. So. Um, uh, we try our best to work with other organizations because, uh, and when we have a meeting, um, all these community leaders sit together trying to guide the youth. Um, and I say guide, uh, it's because they try their best to not tell us what to do. It's more of to guide us and say, hey, this has have done it in the past already. It's up to you guys. So remember, like, we have the festival for 39 years, right? Um, as I've seen it, um, Things have been done in the past already. Ideas have come up. And as a advisor or as uh, someone who have done this already, I just tell them, hey, guys, just FYI, this have done already in the past. It doesn't work. Um, but if you, uh, and it's just a matter of you being a director, you get to dictate what you would like to have as, as your preference, basically. And then also hopping onto that, like be, thanks to those community um, elderlies is, they're the foundation of us being able to build that um, Lang Vietnam. Right. We have a lot of engineers also because these are life size. Like they're something that you have to really, they're already setting up as we're talking and they've been yeah. setting up. So Lang Vietnam is something that we take so much pride in because it's a whole entire, like, gener like three generations or even more generations of people coming together and actually like building this or like they draw it out, they plan it out, they vote on all of the aspects of what's gonna make this village and then putting it all out to plan. And it's a lot of hard work because you actually have to put action into it. So um, I wanted to add, uh, this is where the marketing team comes into play and help too. So for example, you see all those tree, uh, uh, bamboo trees, banana trees, uh, those we need to ask for help. And so uh, the Lang Vietnam staff usually ask the marketing team to go on TV or radio station and ask the community, hey, who has banana trees? Who has bamboo leaves that they can donate? So we can replicate Vietnam, and and this is where I get all the and calls in from the community to help. Wow, I you know, it's like as a regular person who goes to these things quite often, you don't think about the intricacies of the thing and the coordination that it takes to to muscle through this type of event. Yeah, and it brings so much joy to you know I have small kids. And this kind of stuff. And I loved it. When I was a kid, I remember, you know, back in the day, it wasn't as, you know, well thought out. And it was very sesai, right? It was very plain, um, the way that, you know, things were set up back in our day. But even then, there was a magic to it when we used to go as, as kids. And, you know, that was like the closest thing to Vietnam that we had. Um, and knowing that now there's this Lang Vic. And, you know, for all the kids that have not been to Vietnam or haven't, you know, experienced that... There's this sort of this recreation that will immerse them in their memory and tie them in with this place that's, you know, a magical place. I mean, it's, that's what it did for me. And, you know, being born here, you know, 46 years ago, uh, this was one of the things that really allowed me to connect with um, my culture. That's right. I Sorry, and Billy, um, just to hop on on what Anne Kenneth said, uh, I really love that you mentioned that. Um, I sometimes I get really touched and I, I love when the elderlies bring their family members and they get to relive their life as if they were in Vietnam. Um, because, you know, that is something that is so celebrated in our Vietnamese culture. Uh, it got to it gets to the point where like in Vietnam, people actually close their businesses for like all three days. So 
when they come to our festival and they see the Lang Vietnam, it sparks the conversation for elderlies or parents to be like, oh, like explaining all of these stuff to their children, mm -hmm. to those who have never been to Vietnam. Again. Exactly. Like the gun that they have. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is how, um, this is like the ban xe, like bang ban mi, right? Where they sell ban mi to when me when I was a kid, stuff like that. So when I walk around the Dead Festival, especially at Lang Vietnam, I get really like my heart just feels so, so warm and it's so touched because I get to hear conversations like, oh, you know, when when I was this age, like this is what I did with this and that and that. And the kids would be like, oh, cool, you know? And now that we're so like more like more culturally aware and social media is such a big thing, um, Lang Vietnam actually is such a great thing for all of that combination because now you got a good photo op area to live your life as an Instagrammer. Then you also have um, the opportunity for you to learn more about your culture directly from your parents, because as Asian, as Asian kids, we, we have that disconnect from our parents, not only because of language, but also because our parents don't really know how to explain to us unless it's right in front of us. And then that way they can tell us and the visuals help a lot. So I am so thankful that you brought that up because it really is like our parents actually come to these festivals and they're like, oh my God, like this is my childhood or oh my gosh, this is my homeland. And then the kids are like, oh, now I can relate or I can see it and I can understand it a little bit. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the hours of the festival opening and what time uh, we can go in and, and what time does it close and how do we get tickets and, and all of that? So the Theft Festival is gonna it's taking place on February fifth uh, and February sixth, Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday is operation hours are from ten a.m. to ten p.m. and Sunday is from uh, ten a.m. to nine p.m. Um, I mean, you can walk in to get some tickets. Uh, tickets are eight dollar at the gate, um, and uh, you if you want to find hard parking close to the fairground um, on near near the gate. Uh, you just have to pay the OC Fair and Event uh, ten dollar, um, but if you can find parking elsewhere uh, cheaper, um, kudos for you. Yeah, got it. And then um, infants who are two years and younger guests to come in the festival for free. We do have a special promotion which is called the ceremonial uh, special between the hours of 10 to 12 on Saturday, February 5th. Um, if you're wearing an Aoyai, Aobaba, Aotutun, um, any military outfits or uniforms, and then also your scouts uniform, then you will be able to come into the festival free during that time from 10 to 12. That's awesome. one of the reason why, yeah. We do that because uh, at one o'clock, it's gonna be an opening ceremony um, to display all these, uh, um, I guess, traditional uh, cultural things that we do every year. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you remember, um, Kenneth, um, we also have uh, different reenactment, but actually it's not reenactment, it's actually a real deal, like Nam Kui Dao Xuan, which is a wedding ceremony where the whole Vietnamese wedding is going to be taking place, where there's like choose high the family, imperial guards guarding you, um, you know, like, the whole shebang at the culture village. Yeah. So wait a minute, you you said it's not a, a, a reenactment. It's a real. No, it's a real couple actually. It's a real couple that is like planning to get married or is getting married or like yeah, it's like really close. And this year is um our one of our alumni. <laughs> so one of our alumni. Yeah. Wait, so every year there's like a real couple you said, or every year there's an enactment? No, no, no. no. Every year's a real. Mm -hmm. No and it's kidding. like that spring wedding is usually is like considered as a tea ceremony. So mm -hmm. that's on this Sunday um, from, I think, 1230 until 130. And then we can catch the program somewhere on social media. Like, is it laid out? Yes. So all of these information that we're, we've been giving out will be um, on our uh, website, which website. is festival.org. So is, is what? Can you repeat that again? Vetfestival.org. Wonderful. Are we leaving out anything? Is there anything else that uh, Billy Tam you want to go into? Um, 
this year marks the 40th anniversary, um, a quite a milestone. So I know that uh, the opening ceremony team has worked so hard to uh, get ready for a, a big firecracker as well as fireworks um, on Saturday uh, afternoon and Saturday nights. Um, so I'm very excited to see that because 30th anniversary over 10 years ago was when we had last had fireworks. So I'm very looking forward to this year fireworks show. Oh, I'm excited. Um, for our schedule, uh, the Death Festival always has something going on. So don't be afraid that, oh, when I go, there's just like me walking around. We always have um, entertainment. We always have a show going on or we have a ceremony going on. So for example, in the morning of Saturday, we have opening ceremony where uh, we, we get to walk around in our costumes. We get to see our ancestral walk. Um, you get to see the people who are behind all of this festival. Then at night, exactly what and Billy said, the grand um, ceremony where you'll see it's our 40th, which is why we have fireworks. It'll be more big. And then on Sunday, we have the spring wedding. Um, and then at night, we have the grand concert, which is, you know, you sit back, you relax, and you enjoy that last moment of the festival. So don't be afraid that you're going to miss out anything because right. you will have something to entertain um, yourself. I can't wait to attend it this weekend. And, um, you know, again, thank you for your time for coming on. Thank you, Kenneth, for having us. Thank you for having us. You're very welcome. Chúc mừng năm mới. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>